Today's scripture lesson comes to us from the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, verses 21 through 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept asking one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me and for me? Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Come on, Betsy. I'm sure the confusion in my brain registered on my face when I first heard those words. I understood that my dad was talking to someone, but my six-year-old self couldn't comprehend who that was. A quick look around revealed Mommy and Daddy and three little girls whose names were Corrine, Stephanie, and Tanya. There was no Betsy in there. Who was it that my daddy was talking to? I could not figure it out, so finally I had to ask. I don't think it helped my confusion any when I was given the answer. Betsy was the family car. I don't remember my reaction, but I probably giggled and told my daddy he was silly. For the rest of my dad's life, though, the car was always named Betsy. Never mind that the car was changed out every five years or so. The name remained the same. Although I understood at the time what the name applied to, I don't think I ever really comprehended what it meant until this week. You see, as I was doing my usual research to prepare this sermon, I ran across two very different pieces of information. The first was a manuscript for a speech given as part of the Harrington Lecture Series by Dr. Thomas Gasquet, an English professor at the University of South Dakota. In his manuscript, Dr. Gasquet wrote that naming things reveals how we feel about those things around us 
And those feelings intensify when the names apply to those parts of our lives which have the greatest emotional attachment. The second thing I read was an anecdote involving Pope John XXIII. It seems that one day the pontiff was having an audience with a group of people, one of whom was a mother with several children. At one uh, one point, the pope said to the woman, Would you please tell me the names of your children? I realize that anyone in this room could tell me their names, but something very special happens when a mother speaks the name of her own children. In my reading of these two very different pieces of information, something clicked about my dad and Betsy. You see, I suddenly realized that he named the car because it was something special to him. My dad loved to drive, so it was only natural to him that he communicated the happiness he found behind the wheel by identifying its source. The truth of the matter is, we call out those things that we are passionate about, and we call them out by name. At first reading, today's scripture is just a story about an encounter between Jesus and a demon that results in exorcism. However, I think if we look past the surface, the interactions in this story can teach us a lot about the power of naming our passions. First, there's the interaction between father and son, as Jesus taught in the synagogue. It didn't appear as if there was really anything obviously special about this particular interaction, with the exception that Jesus was an unknown visiting preacher who lacked the pedigree of the usual Jewish teachers. It was just a usual gathering in a run-of-the-mill synagogue to hear a routine reading of an unchanging law on a predictable Sabbath. There was no special feast or festival. There was no celebrity rabbi. And there was no worship band or new theological insight. Just normal people doing what they would normally do on a normal Lord's Day. Yet on this normal, predictable Sabbath, nothing turned out to be normal or predictable. This unknown Jesus of Nazareth was very different. You see, he didn't read the scriptures like the scribes did. Now, don't get me wrong. The scribes were good. They were very, very good. They had had years of schooling and knew the law inside and out. And they had practiced their delivery until they knew just when to raise their voice and when that pounding on the podium needed to be happened to add the necessary emphasis. But Jesus named his passion that day. He called him Abba, Father, Eloi, my God. As such, 
there was an intimacy to his knowledge about God that wasn't there when the scribes read the same scripture. Jesus spoke that day as one who had spent time in the presence of the Most High. Indeed, he spoke as if he was God. Second is the interaction between Jesus and the man with the unclean spirit. We don't know much about who this man was or what kind of what the spirit was. This man could have been a visitor that day. Or he could have been someone who occupied the same spot on the same bench for the last 30 years. And was he actually possessed by a demon, the kind that Hollywood tells us makes your head spin and your mouth spew something suspiciously like split pea soup? Or was he simply jaded by the circumstances of life, a bitter and world-weary man who was passionately angry with God and with anyone who spoke about him or his law? Whatever it was that drove this man and his spirit, we will never know. We can, though, infer from this story that something was not right with the soul that God created him to have. His unclean spirit separated this man somehow from the holiness that the observance of the law was intended to preserve. He knew it, and he was going to make sure everyone else knew it as well. So he cried out from the back of the synagogue, naming this traveling preacher in the process. And immediately when the Spirit named his nemesis, he was no more. His uncleanliness could not live in the company of the one he identified as the Holy One of God. Third, there is the interaction between Jesus and the congregation. Now, can you just picture this one? I imagine the worshipers that they were rather like I was in my pre-pastor days partial to my own pastor. While I realized he or she was human and needed a vacation every once in a while, I was always skeptical about whoever it was that was filling in, even when I knew he had prestigious credentials. And I was downright apprehensive if the credentials of the person were unknown to me. I envisioned the Capernaum mites showed up that day, inwardly groaning at the prospect of having to sit through a service led by a guest rabbi. Before the day was over, though, they realized that this was no ordinary preacher. Couldn't really put a finger on what it was that made him different, but different he was. In his presence, the law came alive like no one had ever experienced. In his presence, spirits crumpled. And so these people named what it was that was passionate to They called him amazing, new teacher, and one with authority. 
Yet all of these names must have seemed so inadequate. His presence changed everything, and it lit a fire in their souls that had to be shared throughout all of Galilee. Friends, where is it that your passions lie? What is it that is growing deep inside of you until you have to name it? Are you holding on to the demons of doubt and fear and sin? Or are you proclaiming the name of the one whose presence makes us all new and whole in ways that we cannot ever comprehend? Last week, James and the young adults presented a service around the theme of sparking a fire in our souls which, by the way, is a theme that I intend to carry on through much of at least the beginning part of this year. Sparking a fire in our souls is not a new concept. Jesus sparked these soul fires almost everywhere he went. It's what kept Christ's church alive for 2,000 years. Yet it is also something that needs to be constantly at the forefront The fact is, attendance at churches associated with mainline denominations like United Methodist Church is at its lowest point in many decades. Fully one-third of U.S. adults do not consider themselves to be religious persons, and two-thirds of Americans say religion is losing its influence on American lives. Folks, we need to spark a fire, not only in our souls, but in the souls of everyone we come in contact with outside of these walls. To do this, we need to call out our passion, the passion that is named Jesus. What What better way to do this than to heed the words of the old hymn in our hymnal? that say, exalt, lift up on high the name of Jesus. Magnify, come glorify Christ Jesus the King. Lift up on high the name of Jesus. Magnify, come glorify Christ Jesus the King. Name your passion. Invoke the name of Jesus. Together, we can spark a fire in our souls that will enable us to grow with God, grow with each other, and grow in service to the world. Amen and amen.